Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Taz Stewart from Pullins Pest Control. We're going to talk to Taz about bugs and critters and rodents. We're also going to go to Edmonton and talk to that city's manager of the Vision Zero Project, Shukar Ibrahim. They, too, are looking at reducing speeds on residential streets. And we're also going to talk to Barb Block. She is the president of the Gimli Glider Exhibit up in Gimli, and they've got a big dinner coming up. All that on the way. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. So uh, joining us now in studio from Poulin's Pest Control, Taz Stewart. Hello, Taz. Good day, hell. Good to see you. Always a pleasure seeing you, look sir. Look at you wearing the sandals. and You look like you're heading to the beach, man. That's normal, is it not? <laughs> it is normal for you. Yes, it is. No, hey, it's the wrong time of year for going to the beach for me. Yes, I know. You're really busy. Um, all kinds of stuff I want to talk to you about. Let's talk ticks. I want to yes. talk mice. I want to talk bed bugs. Let's start with mosquitoes because we're coming up on the Canada Day long weekend and we may have a few mosquitoes out there. I haven't seen many, but they're out there. Yeah, 100% correct. But the benefit is we are in a drought kind of season or year and last two seasons have been great. Won't see many, but again, personal protection measures. Always put on your DEET or your keratin as your personal protection and avoid being, you know, outside. And who's not going to be outside at dusk and dawn uh, enjoying the fireworks? So just make sure you're protecting yourself because there are some pathogen-carrying mosquitoes out there. Yeah. Will one or two good rains change that or is it just going to be another good year for mosquitoes? I'd love to say I knew... There'd be a great year, but we could get 10 inches of rain over the weekend, and that changes the forecast. And then there'll be lots of nuisance mosquitoes coming out, you know, three, four weeks later. Yeah. But currently right now, yay. Let's keep it yeah. uh, droughty and dry and less nuisance mosquitoes. No kidding. And I will say this, and I wanted to tell you this on the air for a long time. When you were the mosquito guy, the bug guy in the I'm, city I'm of Winnipeg. <laughs> well, you are, but you're not at the city of Winnipeg yes. anymore, but you were the best man. Like uh, You came in with great new ideas, and they worked for the first time in decades around here. Weather, the weather lady uh, out there is uh, on my side, and now being a fully microbial program, you're seeing the benefits of going to that type of program. Yeah. At the lakefront, at my cottage... Um, we get a lot of uh, dragonflies, and so we have very few mosquitoes. I know some people who have tried to breed dragonflies to get rid of the mosquitoes. Is that silly? or uh, That's kind of s- silly, yes, because dragonflies, once they'll, they'll feed on larvae in the water. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's a, that's a benefit. But right. once they're up in the air, they're flying around, they'll go where the food is, so they'll uh, leave your backyard. Gotcha. If, if there's no, di- no dinner for them there. Yeah, and ticks are really bad this year. Yep, um, both the sort of common wood tick are out there, lots of adult stages this time of year, so... Going out along edges, tree lines, grass lines, you're going to get ticks. And even in the short grass. So don't assume, hey, it's a nice sports field. You still need to do the tick check. Wearing, again, a DEET and wearing light-colored clothing because you see the ticks crawl on you. And yeah. I hate to say it, you got to check everywhere. Even yeah. underneath. And when Joe made his funny, he had one on his... <clears throat> Package. Joe Aiello at yes. Power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard that one, yeah. yeah. But, but that's, they go in those places, yeah. right? The soft-skinned areas, the areas behind, like your hairline, underneath your armpits, and yeah. behind your back, and behind your legs. you got, right. you got to look everywhere. And what's scary is uh, a black-legged tick, which can carry... Uh, miscellaneous diseases like Lyme disease, yeah. they're active from pretty much snow melt to snowfall. They don't really? disappear. So people wow. don't realize when they're the size of a poppy seed mm-hmm. and they're feeding on you, they're on there for 24 hours and they can transmit uh, Lyme disease to you. So you may not even know you're being fed on because they're so small, but right now they're the adult stage, they're big, they're large. You, you, most people usually see them. 
Yeah, that's something I heard this year for the first time that they can be the size of a poppy seed. I didn't yeah. realize that. I saw a picture on the internet uh, yeah. this year, and I was like, "Wow, who knew?" Yeah, that's called the larval stage, and they are so tiny, and they'll be on you for a couple of days, and that's all they need. If there's rodents in the area where they're feeding on their yeah. natural choices when they're small, they're sitting there questing. Meaning they got their arms in the air. Air. You walk by, they grab onto you, they feed on you. You don't even know you've been fed on. Isn't that something? Yep. Mice. I'm hearing mice are really bad. Is that the case? Mice are a pain in the butt, <laughs> lack yeah. of a better word. Uh, the last couple of years, uh, we've had you know, milder winters. Last winter was kind of cold, not so heavy, but we still lots and lots of rodents out there. People need to be excluding uh, Why? Mice. Is there a reason why? They get into a, a place, there's food, there's water, they're happy, they reproduce, they're producing, you know, six to eight young every 36-ish days, and then they're going again and again and again, and yeah. they can just make massive numbers. And what's concerning, if there's deer mice out there, there's another uh, rodent that can transmit hantavirus. Carry a terrible disease, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's in their urine, in their feces, so you don't want to be touching. If you've got a pile of poop somewhere, and lack of, they have like little footballs, because, yep. you know, football game tomorrow, i got to put it that <laughs> there way. There you go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, go blue. <laughs> go blue. <laughs> um, you don't want to be disturbing it or aerosoling yeah. those. So right. make sure you're wearing gloves. Rubber gloves, all that. N95 mask. Yeah. And you want to soak it down with a bleach water mixture and then let's sit for 15 minutes and then scoop it up, put it in a bag, seal it off, put it in your trash. And if you and want, that's with all poop. Like don't yeah. take any chances, don't right? Because it might be yeah. the, real, the, the poop from the real bad mouse. Yeah. And that's what you don't want. And if you do have the mouse, it's got a nice white chest. That, that's a distinguishing feature on it. Yeah. Uh, regular house mouse, you know, brown, uh, yeah. light brown, et cetera. Yeah. That, that's not going to be carrying, but don't mm-hmm. make the, the, the bad guess that it's yeah. not a deer mouse yeah. poop. Yeah, don't take any chances. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, bed bugs? Still as bad as ever? I was reading the other day, globally now, bed bugs are this issue everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Since about 2000, when we lost a couple uh, very good residual pesticides, uh, Bed bugs have been on the increase, and right you now you want to weigh in on the pesticide uh, <laughs> can, issue. There, we can go on for pesticide ones. There was a great product, but because uh, the Pest Management Regulatory Agency of Health Canada yeah. they removed the registration for treatment inside homes. It was a product available from the '60s till 1999, and you never really heard about bed bugs during that time period. Yeah. People forgot even what they looked like. There's you know, random cases. You know, we got old entomologists going, "Yeah, those are bed bugs," but no one ever sees them. Since right. then, yeah. boom. They've been across the world. It's not just a North America thing. Mm. Everyone can get them. You can be dirty, clean, rich, poor. It does not matter. Yeah, like I've seen people uh, with million-dollar shacks, and they got bed bugs. You betcha. They, it's it's not a dirty or clean thing. Nope. You can go down south. The tropical bed bug can happily live here, too, when you're traveling. They're great hitchhikers. I've seen them in laptop computers. Remember the old Blackberries? I've seen them in the keyboards and the Blackberries. Really? In, in books. You, you name it. you got to look for them. Yep. Uh, don't assume, hey, it's a five-star hotel. They can get bed bugs, too. Wow. What else? What else at this time of the year keeps you busy at Poulins? Well, you, you name it. Uh, we're getting <laughs> <there's> rats. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, I see come from Alberta where they didn't really have any rats, or they said they were rat-free. <laughs> the government makes you think they're rat-free. Uh, they, they still have cases of coming through. It doesn't stop yeah. at the Saskatchewan border, right. as they try to make it yeah, sound like. Yeah. Poulins back in the, the 50s was a major player in removing the rat population in mm. Alberta. So that's that's one of the claims wow. to fame. So you can actually, if you go to this Poulins site, you'll see one of the pictures with the old truck and a pile of rats. Really? Uh, yeah, that's pretty Oh, I got to check that out. That oh, yeah. sounds cool. Um, not that a bunch of dead rats is cool, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so I interrupted you. Rats, what else is keeping oh, sorry, you busy? Yeah. Um, right now, the cankerworm slash elm spanworm, leaf rollers, the tree tree pests, they're coming to the end, but they are, lots of people are calling saying, hey, these damn things are hanging here. My trees are defoliated. Uh, just to let people know, 
you need to help your tree that you do have a second generation of leaves so yep. watering fertilizing um, if there are other tree pests give us a call we do offer tree uh, spraying services so if you need something done yep. ants are a big pain in the butt right now the carpenter ants and field ants are out uh, lots of people are starting to see the tufts of dirt in their grass so they think they're bad but they're actually a beneficial in- uh-huh. insect they're actually aerating your soil helping yep. you there but it's very you know not not pretty to look at so people yeah. want the control sure. it's always important to ID the ant correctly so there are different ants available like if you sprayed for a feral ant which are usually inside your house you'll actually cause more of a problem cause more budding out of wow. ant colonies so you have to hmm. bait um, if you look at uh, pavement ants they're out there they follow the lines of your bricks and along the sandy trails uh, people just really don't like ants in their houses um, if you look at roaches is another issue that's happening big time uh, cockroaches do like dirty people. They like unkept places, food left out, water left out. I, I really like roaches. They're the perfect insect, lack of a better word. Um, because you can deal with them easily, right? Well, they're, they've been around since 280 million years. Yeah. Um, they don't need a male to reproduce. A female can self uh, propagate, producing anywhere from 30 to 48 new individuals in 36 days. And that's the way. Oh, so you mean they're perfect in the bad way? In the bad way, yeah. They're they're really good at what they do. do, Yeah, Yeah, I got you. I thought maybe they were good because you you can keep things clean and and not have them. And that's that's perfect. A a hospital clean house. And if there is roaches, we can deal with it very, very rapidly, either doing a chemical treatment or baiting, and we can get rid of them as long as there's tenant uh, or customer compliance with our setup. Mm -hmm. But going back to why I think they're perfect. Um, Number one, they can live without uh, water for seven to 14 days. Really? They don't have to eat food uh, for about 30-ish days. They'll actually eat their own young. If there is no food, they eat their own poop. They're just, they're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) From the bug guy. Yeah. (laughs) From the rock and roll bug guy. Um, Bed bugs are kind of like that too, though, right? In the sense that they can survive without water or food, without feeding on, on a human for weeks, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, that's right. It's all conditions dependent. If you, you know, if you've got a normal house temperature of 18, 20 degrees and a relative humidity of about 75%, they can live-ish about three months without a blood meal. They'll just sit there waiting for a CO2 plume and a heat source, and then they'll move to where that is. At night, typically, right? Because they don't like light. That's what I read. Well, yeah, they'll, if you're a night shift worker and you're sleeping during the day, they'll come out and feed on you during the day, no problem. Yeah, so it's not like a cockroach. Cockroaches are truly nocturnal. They Mm. want dark. They'll come out, they'll hide about 75, 80% of the time. Lights are off. Give it a couple minutes. If you have roaches, they'll come out of their hiding spots and turn back the lights. They'll go zip. And they're actually, that's not a fun fact about cockroaches. Fastest insect in the world. Really? Yeah. Wow. Good and and uh, I just planted a garden. So for the gardeners out there or lawns and that kind of stuff, what sort of bugs and, and things are we dealing with? Well, if you, if you look at lilies, you got the red uh, lily leaf beetle. She's coming back out now. It's bright crimson red. There really are no registered products yet available in Canada, but best thing to do if it looks like, again, I talk about poop too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's kind of part of your job. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Underneath the leaf, you'll see it looks like a little brown piece of poop. That's uh, the stage you want to be squishing or pulling and taking them off. Yeah. In the soil, you'll see them too, about a half an inch down. Dig out the larvae around your lilies. And of course, you see the adults, pick them off, throw them away. Um, there are some contact insecticides that will work, but again, they're not on the label, so I can't recommend yeah. them. So right. that's, that's Always follow and read label directions. More does not equal yes. better. better. Yeah. Yep. Or when in doubt, 
call you at Poolins, right? You, you I mean, I mean that's what it, we. I think a lot of us now with the internet and the products that are out there, we try to deal with some of this stuff on our own. Yeah. But you really do have every answer, man. I over the years <laughs> I've tried to throw stuff at you that I thought maybe he won't Get know this, <laughs> and you know it all. So, but, but sometimes you really do need to call in a professional, yeah. don't you? Yeah, but especially with bed bugs, do not self treat because yeah. if you're in a multi tenant, you're, you're actually going to push bed bugs into other other units. suites. Yeah, and you don't want to do that. So right. call your. Uh, a resident manager, your property manager company, have them use us or the company of their choice because you want to do it right because if you're doing the self-treatment, you may be causing a bigger problem. And another thing I like to always say about pesticides, the U.S., of course, has lots and lots of pesticides we don't have access to. Don't go down to the U.S. and bring it across the border because they're not registered for use in Canada. So right. No, don't do that. That's my yes. finger shaking. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Taz from Poolins, 233-2500. Oh, everybody knows the uh, the jingle, jingle the phone number. That was, a, that was a bright move back in the day when they did that jingle. Yep. Taz, great to see you. Have a great summer. Thank you, Hal. You too. We see different uh, jurisdictions in Canada doing different things, but uh, I don't think I've ever seen such a such a big political appetite for, for street safety and to look at speeds in Winnipeg. That is St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard, 115. Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. We're going to talk about residential speeds right now with an official from Edmonton. She is the manager of that city's Vision Zero project. Shukar Ibrahim joins us on the phone. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. You're kind of dealing with the same thing we are right now. People are, are asking for a lower residential speed. Uh, you're looking at 40 and 30 as well, just like us, correct? Yes, we are. And how far along has that process gotten out there? It was talked about at the committee level here yesterday, and we heard from residents and, uh, you know, people that want to see uh, the speed lowered. Uh, where is your process at? So we got our direction at our city council meeting on May 14th. So right now we are looking into how we can proceed with this. So one of the things that came as a result of that public uh, meeting was, first of all, uh, creating something called um, a core zone. So this is a specific um, amount of or number of neighborhoods within the core area in Edmonton that would see a reduced speed limit to 30 kilometers per hour on local and collector residential roads. And then everywhere, everywhere else in Edmonton, the speed limit would be lowered to 40 kilometers per hour on residential and, and uh, collector roadways. Interesting. Yeah, because here we're talking about 40 or 30, not both, or at least I haven't heard discussion of both, but that kind of makes sense. That makes more sense to me because there are some areas maybe where 30 does work, but then there are others where 30 would be too slow, and that's kind of what you're looking at there in Edmonton. It's Yes, it's true. I mean, uh, naturally, as, a, as an advocate for traffic safety, the lower residential speed limit would be the safest option. But there are other things to take into consideration because it's important also for the drivers to actually drive at, and travel at that speed. So if the, if the environment is not necessarily conducive to a lowered speed limit, you might not be able to see that behavior from the drivers which is for one of the reasons what we're or one of the things that we're looking at right now is also looking at low cost adaptable measures that we can put onto the, our roadways to make sure that people are being able to naturally drive at a lower speed limit. Interesting, like what? Speed bumps for example? 
So they range from a number of different things, and that's part of the report that's coming forward. But some of the recommendations that uh, our community groups have made are include the curb extensions. So those are the ones that are go uh, make the crosswalk sort of a little bit um, narrower, so that the, there's less distance for the drivers to be able to travel at, or doing uh, raised crosswalks, which are obviously a little bit more expensive. Uh, speed bumps are some things that we would take into consideration, uh, curb ball bouts. So just examples of some things that we can put onto the roadway that are temporary for now so we can get them onto the road sooner rather than later. I'm curious to know what happened in Edmonton to bring on this debate. Uh, I, I feel like here in Winnipeg there were a couple of uh, very serious and deadly accidents and then it seemed like the appetite for lower residential speeds really increased among residents. Did something happen there, or is it just something that sort of began and, and uh, just came up? So we've been discussing residential speed limits reduction for uh, since 2009, at least. Oh, we wow. had a yeah, <laughs> we had a pilot project in Edmonton where we selected six communities and had the speed limits reduced to 40 kilometers per hour instead of five, uh, 50. And then after that, uh, we, we discussed the results. Three of the communities wanted to continue and left the 40 kilometer per hour in place, and three of the communities reverted back to 50. And then in 2014, we had our speed limit uh, reduced at schools, so school zones, for 30 kilometers per hour. And then in 2017, we expanded that to include also playgrounds. So I think the conversation in Edmonton has slowly been gaining a lot of traction. It's It's been around for a while. It's, it's been on people's minds for a while. Um, also, as part of Vision Zero, we know that speed is definitely one of the key principles and has a very high uh, correlation between serious injuries and fatalities occurring. So it just became a, a progression of, of looking into different options, and then that's where we are right now to look at changing the default speed limit. Yeah. So the pilot project, so you, you've determined then what I think most people would agree uh, to, speed kills. And, and you had the pilot project, and while some said, yes, let's do 40 instead of 50, others went back to 50. And that's the sense I get here in talking to my listeners. Some of them say, yeah, let's do it, and here's why, and others fight it tooth and nail. So what's the answer? So I think for that, so that's one thing that w- was different about that pilot is that the only thing we did then there was just change the speed limits. So that was the only thing, only change that people saw on the roadways was just re- lowering the speed limit from 50 to 40. What is unique and different about the approach that we're considering now is actually uh, um, to adding on those low cost measures so that you're making changes to the infrastructure so that the roadway is more conducive to a lower speed limit. So I think that's part of a, a component that I I think is still important. Like I, I think that the residential speed limit reduction in general is a really good step forward towards any Vision Zero program. But anything that would help, such as the road cha- changes or the road design, if a community is able to do that, would definitely help make it a lot more uh, conducive to the drivers. And you like the idea of uh, some areas having 40 and others having 30. You think it needs to be a combination like that, or at least that seems to be the consensus in your city, eh? Yeah, so that came as a as a suggestion from our community group, which again also was a very unique thing about our experience here. Is we had a uh, an advocacy group that has been phenomenal with wanting to see change and and um, modifications happen to their neighborhoods to make it safer for themselves and their children and and their parents and everyone that lives there. So they uh, presented at counts at committee and um, basically asked for the residential speed limit and then had a number of different measures that they were thinking would be something that 
they would want to see manifest itself on our on the roadways. We had done previous engagement with the public, and I think we, as very very similar to I think what's happening in Winnipeg, we have we have seen that split where people are either between 30 or 40, and 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 from a safety perspective, obviously 30 is going to be a safer uh, speed limit just because nine out of 10 pedestrians would be able to survive, especially if you're looking at locations where you're seeing a lot of children or seniors, because they're definitely our most vulnerable road users. But at the same time, our in Edmonton when you drive around you'll see that different neighborhoods are designed very, very differently. So our core area probably would be a lot more conducive to the 30 kilometers per hour than uh, some of the roadways in the suburbs. So we're, it's, it, it seems like we're taking a little bit of a, of a staged approach where we're starting with the core zone. We'll see how it's doing, you know, how the 30K um, proceeds. And again, all of this, of course, is dependent on uh, receiving council's direction to proceed with that, which will come forward in January 2020. In January, and then that's when a final decision will be made. Uh, we believe so. Yes. So on, on January thirty uh, twentieth, sorry, in January twenty twenty, we come back with a report that basically, because um, what what we're doing here that's different is we're changing the default speed limit. So we're not actually going to be posting signs saying that the speed limit is thirty and forty on every block like we did for the pilot. So we're doing a change with, through our charter bylaw, which I think will help a lot because one of the com, uh, concerns that we've heard or that uh, citizens have raised has been with regards to sign pollution. Being too, there's too many signs. So I think changing the default speed limit will help us minimize that problem. And But also we'd have to put signs just to advise people that you're entering into a neighborhood and that the default speed limit is 30 or 40, depending on where they're going. So in January, we hope to bring back that bylaw with the roadways that are going to be listed under the 30 and 40. And then what are some of the measures that we would do for the low cost um, road change designs? Yeah. Hey, Shukar, thanks a lot for this. This was a really a great conversation. It, it certainly enlightened me. And uh, I know you're further along in the process than we are, but let's stay in touch and, and best of luck with it there. Absolutely. And good luck to you guys. And I hope everything goes well. Thank, Thank you very you. much for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you very much. Shukar Ibrahim. She is the manager of Edmonton's Vision Zero Project. Right now, joining us on the phone from Gimli, Manitoba, beautiful downtown Gimli, the president of the Gimli Glider Exhibit, Barb Gluck. Hi, good afternoon, Barb. Hi, Hal. Nice to be with you today. Thank you for doing this. Uh, so it was, uh, let me see if I got this right. It was 1983, right? Correct. And it was an Air Canada flight between Montreal and Edmonton, and it ran out of fuel at way up there. 35, uh, 40,000 feet, right? Yes, over Red Lake, Ontario. And it ended up gliding into Gimli, Manitoba. 17-minute glide. Isn't that something, eh? And you've got yep. an exhibit up there, and I'll be honest, I'm excited to see it. I have not seen it yet. You're right on the main street in Gimli, and yep. uh, the exhibit's right there. People can go in and check it out. Tell us what we'll see in there. Uh, well, we have a lot of one-onlys. We have... Um, we have the tail, we have the yoke, we have the uh, fuel panel that uh, was on the uh, plane where they would have put the fuel in. We have the uh, three-window fuselage panel, and we have the now-famous simulator where you can experience that uh, fly-in and fly the plane yourself for eight miles out from Gimli and bring it into the runway, and you have to come in over the trailers and the cars. It's quite the experience. Very cool. Is it tough to do? 
Uh, only about 1% of our visitors accomplish it, but they all have a thrill. Really? Wow. That is yeah. very cool. I didn't really yeah. uh, realize that you had a, a simulator there. And yeah. um, it, it, you want people to come and check it out. And I mean, it's an hour, you know, back door to bottle cap, as, as I know, every weekend and, and several weeks during the summer. It's very close, an, an hour basically from Winnipeg. Uh, up to Gimli, and it's one of many things that you can do there in town. Uh, is it reasonable to get in and, and take a look? Yeah, we're we're in line with the typical uh, 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 cost to get into museums: five for youth, six for adults, and seven for seniors. And right. uh, and our annual fundraiser is coming up July twenty third, and we have a remarkable speaker that's coming. From, yeah. Uh, Tell, tell me about this. Uh, the dinner is July 23rd, as you said. I was going to get to yep. that. And the speaker is a former Boeing official, well, a pilot, I guess. His name is Rick Braun. Tell me about him. Uh, Rick Braun has a very extensive, accomplished career. He's still active within the industry today. He um, was a B-747, Boeing 747 chief technical pilot, test pilot. And he's in the record books for taking a B-747 uh, Dash 8 freighter, brand new, went to the Paris Air Show, the first ever transatlantic uh, flight with biodiesel fuel. So um, it's going to be really interesting uh, with what's going on in the industry today to have him here with his extensive career and hear uh, what his thoughts are on yeah. what's going on. He yeah. will definitely have some great stories to tell. It's on the 23rd. It's in Gimli. Tell us where and how do we get tickets? It's at the Lakeview Resort and Conference Center. Um, right beside the Robins, what I refer to as Portage and Main of Gimli. Yes, right. By the water. Yeah. And uh, tickets are available through the exhibit, and you can check out our website for details, and you can phone the exhibit, and uh, we can do them over the phone. Um, we'll make it possible for you to attend, and we're, the sales are going good, and good. people are excited. We've got people coming in from across Canada for it already. Well, I'll bet, and I was going to say, I'll bet you get visitors from all around the world checking out the exhibit, because it really truly is an amazing Canadian story, and it happened right here. We have more visitors from outside of Manitoba than we do inside, and I just had a young fellow, a pilot actually, from San Diego in here. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful story, and uh, it's so crazy uh, that uh, I remember back in 83 uh, being in Alberta at that point and hearing the story and then to be here and be in Gimli. It was really cool, my first trip up to Gimli, and I got to get to the exhibit, and good luck with the dinner and all of it. Uh, Barb, I really appreciate your time, and uh, you said the Portage and Main of Gimli. You can't miss the exhibit's big sign from there, and uh, you're, you're basically in the Lake uh, View Gimli Resort building, aren't yes, you? We are. The uh, Resort and Conference Center right at the corner of First and Center. Yeah. Well, I love it up there, Barb, as you know, and good luck with uh, the exhibit and the dinner and all the best. Well, thank you very much. Barb Glock is the president of the Gimli Glider Exhibit. In Gimli, again, that dinner is happening on July 23rd, and uh, Boeing's Rick Braun will be speaking. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.